I think when I reflect back on the podcast, today's episode is the most honest, emotional and raw conversation I've ever had with a guest. Today we're going to tackle a difficult conversation around the trauma that is caused by those that suffer sexual abuse as a child. I'm joined today by Dr Raj, who is a Professor of Criminal Justice at Metropolitan State University, nationally known for his work on bias, victim of sexual abuse as a child and a dear, dear friend. Now I have to say this conversation is not for the faint-hearted, with Raj sharing his experiences as a victim of sexual abuse, which led to his own suicide attempt. But you will hear his recovery, transformation and how he now forgives those abusers that caused him so much pain and how his experiences have inspired his work in criminal justice. But before we dive into today's content, if you haven't already, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast to be notified of all the future episodes and it really helps us grow as you like and share the content. And if you're someone who likes to watch our videos, head on over to YouTube where you can watch this and all our other episodes on my channel, which is at Simon Osimo. Now Raj is a great, great man and a dear, dear friend and I'm so proud of him for being vulnerable and sharing his story with you. So will you join me as we dive into this week's conversation with Dr. Raj in what I've titled Overcoming Childhood Trauma. Dr. Raj, welcome to the Overcame podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to it. Well, I know we've been friends for a little while now. We've had some very interesting conversations, me and you, before (laughs) on some very deep, deep subjects. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, the term interesting is right in Minnesota. If you use it, people are like, okay, you're trying to be indifferent. But I think our conversations have been kind of deep. Yeah, well, and I can't remember if if we recorded it. 2020, must have been 2019, me and you shot a three-part series on implicit bias, racial bias, and cultural bias. And and little did we know that Minnesota was going to become the world focus on those with with George Floyd and stuff. So yeah, yeah. So so let's see where this one goes. It'll be an interesting podcast. So so maybe let's start off a little bit about, um, you know, I was looking at your bio online and there's Mm -hmm. things that I saw that I didn't know, but you know, I mean, you are, uh, you teach restorative justice and diversity at Mm -hmm. Metropolitan State University. Uh, You specialize in unpacking implicit bias and we might not have enough time to, to get too deep into, into that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that is uh, a very topical subject right now. And, you know, you've got about 20 years yeah. of community-based activism as a researcher and educator. Mm-hmm. And you also describe yourself as a recovering criminologist. Yes. So, I mean, yeah. that stuff that I got from your bio, Raj, yeah. may, maybe dissect your bio and tell the audience a bit about who you are. No, yeah, you know, I came to that term after entering academia, especially at Metro where we have a lot of reference to ourselves as faculty, as experts. And I've always shied away from using terms like expert. Yeah. Right? What what makes one an expert, right? Just because he or she or they have research background, do they have lived experience? Does do they does that mean you have published a lot on this? So as I was kind of gathering my thoughts on it, I've, I've been in the streets a lot, working with communities, right, with NAACP, with with Root and Restore, um, police reform work in St. Paul. And many of these this, this um, places took me down to the trenches 
And in the trenches, you are nobody, right? You're yeah. just part and parcel of the people who walk alongside or searching in search of yeah, justice. Yeah, right, So, and, 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 you know, and uh, Richard Pryor once said, right, he said, hey, I, um, I got here looking, I came here looking for justice, but when I got here, it's just us. And I'm like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Who, what's that wisdom about? And realize that, my God, we are all in search of this process as opposed to being an expert. So academia has a way to kind of give you this, this false sense of superiority and muscle to think that you, are, you have arrived. But for me, I realized, my God, everything I've learned in textbooks and in research does not play out in a sanitized way. It's messy. Mm -hmm. So that's why the reference to being a recovering criminologist yeah. kind of walk away from academia and come into the thicker things in the trenches. Yeah, and I know you've been a sort of activist um, for 20 years, sort of researcher and educator, yeah. but I mean, what I love about you is you, you're quite a cool dude. Um, if anyone's watching the, the video um, of this podcast, you know, yeah. see that, you know, you're like a trendy black guy and not when I have a stereotype of a professor in my mind, yeah, you, okay. you don't really come in there. So I mean, yeah. how did you get into academia then? When did you sort of become a professor and get your oh. PhD and stuff? It was, it was a struggle. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic and a drug addict. I was into a lot of that as I was pursuing my degrees. And, and an undergraduate degree in sociology didn't mean anything to me. I just wanted to get, get this degree and move on to a career. And as I got deeper into that particular study and began to understand the race relationship in race relations in, in Louisiana, right? I was in Louisiana pursuing okay. And North Louisiana, especially, I mean, oh my God, you talk about religion infused with with racism, right? They are just hand in hand, they're wedded together. And in this process, you realize how ostracized you are as a result of all of that deep rooted history, traditions, rituals, ceremonies, right? So it's it's that that began to drive me in this direction of like, what, what is going on, right? And then pursuing a degree in, in counseling with a master's in counseling also led me to the same place where people are in pain. It's not this, this, this surface level wound and frustration that leads to people having a difficult relationship in the community, but something deeper. Right, trying to pursue an understanding, a better understanding of that led me to studying uh, in counseling, but then launched me back into the community and began to work with people who are who are dealing with pain, right, trauma, people who are dealing with deep racist, racist uh, oppression, and all of that coupled me, launched me into taking up this study, a PhD program, but. Meanwhile, the whole time I was in the community working, right, teaching. And so the, the pathway to academia was not as smooth as many have, like launching from undergraduate to a master's to a PhD. The PhD program especially was driven by a search, right? The sort of Viktor Frankl kind of yeah. thing, right? Man's search for meaning. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at your 
sort of journey to become a professor then. Yeah. And I say professor, I guess yeah, yeah. You know, that's what you got to, yeah, what you, that's sure. what you are. So that's what I've got <laughs> to say. But I mean, how much of your, you know, I know that you, you battled um, drug addiction, you know, alcoholism, yeah. um, and also, you know, sexual abuse as a child. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much of that plays into um, sort of who you are now and maybe the journey that you've taken because you are you're a strong advocate I mean if ever there's a question I have surrounding bias or race yeah, relations yeah. You, you're speed dial one in my phone you know and I think how much is that ties into your past maybe share what you what you can about those sort of free free areas of your life yeah I you know so the the idea of putting that down here even I didn't never really claimed to to be uh, to reconcile and recognize my sexual abuse, where as a kid, right, five six years old, when I was, you know, raped, it was molested, right, by by neighbors, and and not realizing the impact of it until I began to fumble into relationships as an adult, and you're thinking like, why am I having such a difficult time, right? So as a counselor, I recognized all of these connections. Right, but I also asked myself, what was deeper in this particular? What were they? These men are looking for, right? Apart from me, but there was much more damage done to all of us as a collective. So I began to ask myself that deeper question of like historical oppression and why, and the topic of sex and how that has been taught to us and not taught to us in many ways, right? and how it became a, a, a topic of, that has to be done in, in, in the dark versus in the light, right? So had that question boiling, but also that sexual abuse led me to kind of undermining who I am and began to right, hide behind alcohol and drug addiction because that, those things numbed all that pain, right? I didn't have to deal with them, um, and if I, couldn't get along, couldn't find a partner, right? I just simply went and drank. So I never, when when went to parties and went to gatherings, I never drank for the sake of like the social hour, right? There was yeah. nothing social about it. Mm. It was everything about me getting totally drunk. To forget. So yes, to, to, to forget, yeah. right? Mm. So these things began to kind of, I began to question myself about this and and when i when i left my job or fired my, from my job in uh, in uh, in the mankato area right i began to ask deeper questions about like okay how has all these changed me and affected me and how is this also affecting my relationship with my children right because by that time my relationship my marriage was down the tube Right, because of that lack of intimacy, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure this out. But I know that my children are important to me, so I began to ask myself deep those kinds of questions, and those questions also led me to ask bigger questions um, about what's happening in our society, in our community. Why are there lack of sense of community, lack? of thereof relationship with each other and how does deep-rooted pain and trauma affects us as a community. So all of these things came together as I entered academia teaching full-time at Metropolitan State University and began to take on 
this idea of restorative practices, right? And how do we restore humanity and transform system versus repair and reform, right? Those are all important mm. items, right? Repairing something and reforming something. But I think those things have stranded us in this, this, this wanting to fully change who we are and what we are as a system. Yeah, and you said something which um, was really interesting. I don't know, maybe you didn't know you'd said it because you've delivered the line so much, but my brain went straight there and you, and you know, this happened when you were sort of five or six, but you mentioned about the men that sexually abused you um, when you went on a self-reflection as to what, what were they going through? I mean, was that um, was that a Raj in his 20s or 30s or was that Raj as a young man? When, when were you reflecting, thinking, um, not only why is this happening to me or I'm the victim of this sexual abuse, yeah. but, but also to be able to, outwardly see what are these men seeking that's that's very deep I mean what yeah. what age did that um, yeah. sort of occur you know I I think it, it about 10 plus years ago is when I really thought about that particular way of of, of dealing with this pain prior to that it was all anger and frustration in my early early 20s when I began to have relationship it was it's like, what is going on? Why am I not connecting with people at a deeper level? I know I have that ability to do so with friends, but when it comes to intimate relationship, we was absent. It mm. was it was as if there was a deep black hole there, right? And I'm thinking like, what is going on? And I began to be angry and frustrated about having that 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 happen to me as a as a young kid and not having space in a room and an opportunity to 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 process it yeah. right even though i was a counselor by the time i was in my 20s i i was doing marriage and family therapy i was doing individual counseling but to turn that mirror onto myself was not something that i was ready for right so yeah. as i got into these deeper relationships saw my relationship going down the tube is when i began to say Ask myself, like, how? Wh what is it about the me that I don't understand? So that I, if I have a deeper level of understanding, how do I extend that to understand who these people are who abused me, who caused the harm, right? And that, to me, is the is the pathway to restorative practices. Yeah. Right. When I begin to ask that question of harm and not crime, right? And what caused that, the harm? What caused the harm to them that made them, made this, what they did, normal in mm. their perspective? Yeah. As soon as you say that, I, you know, I told you offline that I interviewed yeah. this guy called Lewis um, Conway over in mm -hmm. New York, and a fascinating guy, yeah. incredible, yeah. and very deep yeah. background, a lot of transparency, you know, mm -hmm. this type, mm -hmm. of, type of things that you just um, spoken about, you know, but yeah. he said something to me about, you know, he was, I think Lewis is in his 50s now, mm -hmm. um, convicted for um, sort of like a manslaughter murder charge when he was yeah. maybe like 19, 20. Yeah. But he said that it was something that he used to hide behind, yeah. but he said it was only when he actually released that, that the thing that he used to hide was actually what freed him. Yes. Um, and, you know, yes. that's why he went on my podcast and could talk about his incarceration mm -hmm. and his transformation mm -hmm. since mm -hmm. and stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. would, would you, I, I get a thing you can mostly relate to, to what he said. I mean, because you, you talk very openly about yeah. this, but yeah. I, I imagine there was a time when you couldn't talk openly about some yeah. of the, the sexual abuse. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, for me, 
you know, I be honestly when I think about that that those incidents, I never, I I. It it was a, always a black hole. It was something that I couldn't recall, but I knew something happened. But it's only in the past ten, fifteen years that I've been able to picture what happened. I I can picture myself, you know, being raped. Right, I can picture mm. that man on top of me. Mm. Right, I can picture walking out of that space with with just feeling dirty and right. Could picture the first time how I was brought into that process of being abused as a five year old. Mm. Right, and I couldn't picture all of that at that time. Yeah, prior to. Right when I was able to picture those things and really see those individuals as 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 human beings, right? Yes, they they did this harm to me, but I'm also thinking like, okay, I know you as a person who works hard. I know you as a as a person who 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 I've seen them being charitable to people, right? So something about their own life, their own mess, their own trauma. Yeah. Right. I'm able to now talk about that and 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 free myself of this idea that I am dirty. I brought this onto myself. Right. If I, that those perspectives, right, those those kinds of real experiences broke that chain. And am I ready for relationships? I'm not, right? I'm still grappling with all of those things, but I have a better understanding. And whoever I meet these days, I'm just like, this is who I am. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's and and you say release for me. It's it's it has transformed the way I show up in my communities. Right. It's transformed the way, and so I'm ready to dig deep with folks and really relate to what they are saying. And then understand the pain at the at the at, at a much root, root at the roots, as opposed to just looking at things at the surface level. Mm. And I know there's you know, there's many facets to your life, and we won't have yeah. more. Um, you know we could do um, yeah. we talk for ten hours on this. I don't yeah, think this yeah. is one. You know this is a very very deep conversation. But another um, point I want to sort of try and draw out mm-hmm. from from you is, you know, as you um, sit in front of me today, you know. We don't want to say your age. You're a very mature man, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the black skin hides your your yeah. age, Raj. I know yeah, that. Sure, sure. So, but um, you know, if we go back to when you're a, a child, um, you know, and I was a former investigator in England. You know, I, I investigated child sex offences before. I mean, they're they're terrible for the victim. They're terrible for the families, and they're terrible for the prosecutors that have to go through and you know, you know sort of put all those cases um together. But looking at you as a child, um. Is there anything that you take from that as to what advice would you give other children in that position? I mean, how do you get to where you are today quicker? Yeah. I mean, how do you try and get through the trauma? Because most of these sexual offences, people won't save it on the victim because there's this shame and a lot of things you're, you're feeling. So I guess I'd just love to get your perspective on that, Raj, just to, you know, what would have brought you to the point quicker than what you are now? Oh wow! Um, we want to just keep I, this deep, right? No, let's, let's keep it deep. No, I, you know, I will say this. Uh, I will say that 
the culture and the community played a huge role. Absence of conversations about sex and in 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 relationships, right? Everything was behind the door. You realize that it was dirty, right? That's how it was portrayed, mm. right? It was done behind doors as opposed to something that is openly openly discussed about and 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 people understand the the whole process of living and being a messy human being that was never brought out right you were always expected to be walking on a clean slate and you make mistakes here and there but those mistakes right are quickly to be corrected but if you did something here dirty right it never should be brought to this this clean space right so so we lived in a in a in a society that is always striving to be sanitized versus reality is always messy and what what i'm asking for us it's not just a, a child to do do that but for the community to say we're a messy space let's talk about all of the messiness that we who we are that makes up who we are right as opposed to trying to do this sort of clean slate work where oh sexual abuse is a crime your definition of it as a crime and my experience with that are totally different right i have to live with this you can go ahead and punish me and and remove me if you will right for the most part from the society and then, and then reintroduce me to the society as if things will be done differently right what i'm living with is the, all of that fear and all of that shame and all of that guilt thinking like did i deserve this did i ask for it did i enjoy it right all of those kinds of questions the only way to respond to those questions is to have a culture and a community that is ready right and a system that will integrate that culture and community perspectives versus a system that functions and a sanitized policy and procedure and laws. Yeah. That's and, the only way I think. Yeah, and, and, and it's very deep. I'm going to have to keep going on this. Yeah, but um, yeah. the, the other thing that's going from my mind is, I know, you know, a sort of recovering alcoholic, yeah. um, a recovering drug addict, where, where you are today, what was the, um, maybe the sort of a straw that breaks the camel's back, as we, we say in I don't know if that's an American expression no. or not, but, you know, when was it that you sort of tied your um, behavior, perhaps, or your, what could be perceived as negative behavior? When did you tie that to, I, I know what is causing this, right? This is the fact that I was a victim of sexual abuse as a child. I've got to seek help. I've got to move through this. Yeah. At what point did you sort of tie those negative behaviors with your sort of release or your looking to sort of, um, um, you know, forget or whatever it was for you, for you, Raj? Well, Simon, <laughs> you know, it was, it was my attempt to commit suicide, right? That brought me to that point of reflection, that deep reflection. I, I attempted, yeah. Attempted suicide 
because I, I felt like I've lost everything, right? I've lost my children, I've lost the marriage, I've lost the job. Uh, I couldn't hold on to anything, it seems like, at some point. And I, I couldn't, I, I didn't connect these pieces, right, about that sexual abuse, that alcoholism, you know, combining drugs in it. Uh, one was a visible, like by choice, a, a suicide attempt. The other was um, me completely drunk and doing, right, I mean, I don't know how many, how many blunts I went through that night, and then driving. I knew at a rational level that I shouldn't do that, but I still drove, right? And when I ended up in a farm, right, my car, I got off the road and ended up in a farm, waking up in the farm, right, deep in the mud, and somehow crawling my, out of the car, getting on the street, and walking at, uh, I think it was 3 a.m. Um, that was when I was started to reflect, what am I doing? Who am I? Yeah, and, and, and from there, um, the only thing I can say is that sat in front of me is an incredible guy who um, I'll, I'll say for the benefit of the listeners, actually recalled to me his interviews in my basement. And, and I wasn't joking to Raj when I said, but no one ever comes in my house, <laughs> but, but Raj is here. So it shows what a good friend um, he is. And I think your honesty, your transparency, your willingness to share, it is gonna, gonna help other people. I mean, you're an incredible guy. And you know it's hard for me to, to know and to hear that you were at such a low place, but, but I'm glad that you didn't pursue it and that you're here because there's a lot of good that's come from your life. So maybe let's, let's shift gears and, and get the yeah, smile yeah. Back, back on your face. So, so tell us about um, some of your sort of advocacy work and your um, desire to make not just Minneapolis, but the sort of the world uh, a closer place about race uh, and sort of reconciliation. Still deep, Raj, but not as not, no, not, not no, as deep. I, still a deep know, subject. I, but... I appreciate it. Appreciate your trust and your guidance and your leadership and and your friendship in this work. Um, you know, I that walk on that highway, right, woke me up to a lot of other things. Right, my relationship with my children mattered. My relationship with my community mattered. And I began to ask myself the questions about what is happening in my community that I have been blind to, right? I have this capacity to be, to do more. Um, and I've done it prior to this, prior to getting hung up on this addiction, right? And, um, and, and self-pity, right? I began to feel sorry for myself, which is not a bad thing, but when I, when turn that sorriness into suffering, right? Um, as opposed to as opposed to joining a movement, right? Uh, as opposed to struggling, right? So I drew a lot of distinction between those terms. Like when you suffer, you get deeper into your own self. When you struggle, you get into a much more broader, deeper understanding the process. So 
and I began to understand the struggle that the civil rights movement was in as opposed to suffering. They never really described what they were experiencing as suffering, but always talked about the struggle. And I never really understood it, right? And over the years, I've like, whoa, wait, right? I'm part of a larger community. I'm standing on all of these shoulders of people who have fought for people like me. What am I doing, right? So I began to move myself off that, that, that suffering lens to a struggle lens. And in struggle, there's always that, that, that hope, right? As Dr. King would say, right? The promised land, you're getting there, right? And if you do not personally get there, you know you're helping others to get there. You're moving the, 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 the goalposts right closer to that space. So that is what I think for me the movement is about, the struggle is about, right? Today um, in Minneapolis, when that happened to George Floyd, uh, Brother Floyd, right? It is not a one happening. When I call the, the governor's office and I say, can you declare a day of mourning? Right. His advisor, uh, you know, she asked me the question. She said, what do you mean by a day of mourning? I said, do you not recognize that this is coming on the heels of the 100th anniversary of the lynching that took place in Duluth, Minnesota? And she's like, she's a lawyer. Mm. And she's like, what are you talking? What's the relationship? I said, this is another form of lynching, right, of putting a knee on somebody's neck and on somebody's back and ending their life. And you've done that, right? When that happened in Duluth, Minnesota, a hundred years ago, 1919, right? There were 10,000 people who stood in their Sunday best to witness that because their way of life was being affirmed. White supremacist ideology was being affirmed. Yeah, and I know um, in the last series that me and you did about yeah. um, implicit, and yeah. maybe the conversations me and you have, Raj, are too deep. We've got, we've got to try and lighten the mood somehow. I don't know, <laughs> we're, we're too deep, guys. But, but, but the conversation that we had, the, the big um, buzzword, and I know you've yeah, used it for a long time, is about narratives, you know, changing people's yeah, narratives. narratives. And I think yeah. that is really something that we're seeing not only in America, but across the world is how do we change the narratives? And I think your experiences have really shaped your narrative that, yes. you know, you want to fight for the underdog. You yeah. want to do the right thing. You're yeah. very blessed with the life that you've had in your life. There's obviously, there's a lot of sadness in things that happened to you, but there's also a lot of um, goodness which have come because there's others that don't have your grit, don't have your determination mm-hmm. uh, and don't have your mindset to actually be able to process some of the things that you've you've happened. I mean, what do you turn it on to that narrative? I mean, what does what what a narrative mean? What do, what do we need to improve right now with your experience around sort of bias um, and sort of reconciliation? Well, I'll, I'll just go back to that, Simon, if you will, uh, indulge me a little bit on this idea of suffering. When, when, when I was in that space, right, I never celebrated, recognized who I am. I never really recognized my children. I never recognized mm. what was all the things that are happening, right? The so-called progress that has been made, right? There were progress, mm. right? Um, but I also, I, but none of that mattered when I was in this space, 
right? When I moved out of that space into this struggle, re- recognized that, you know, there was a, there was this this recording of Dr. King, where was was in the in the in the hotel, right? In the motel before being shot, that they were they were going to bed and they had a pillow fight. Okay. Right. These are grown men, right? Having a pillow fight because they were laughing and celebrating each other. They they saw their humanity, right? And I go to prisons and work with some and they, you know, they they celebrate each other. They recognize who they are. Right? I come out, I see, you know, Leslie Redman, our president, youngest NAACP president in the United States of America, right? And who's here, right here in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Right. So there are a lot of points of reflection that I failed at that time that I can see in this struggle. So the struggle is not about a positive or negative. Right. Um, It is it is about the narratives of people. And yes, you see a mixed bag of things. You see the messiness about living. So for me. Right. It's not about saving the world more so. It's about. As, as you know, in a simpler term, what Spike Lee often say, you know, do the right thing, yeah. right? And um, I'm, it's not about that, just do the right thing. I want to be more and more anchored in my values, right? And if I am more anchored in my values, how does that show up in my teaching? How does that show up in my work, in my community? How is that showing up with my children, right? How is that showing up with my friends, Right? And it's all of these things have come to come to be a part of that struggle. So as I'm doing this work, um, I'm recognizing that some of the impediments, right, to realizing and living anchored to your values are implicit bias, right? The idea of grow, 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 grow versus heal and go on to wellness, right? Is the idea of punishment versus healing and wellness, right? I mean, the, 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 the alcohol, the addictions court in, uh, in Maine, right? There, there's, a, there's a court, right? They, they call it healing to wellness court. So you go mm-hmm. to this court and it's not, it's, a, it's, it's people sit in circles, people mm-hmm. are recognizing each other's humanity, they're celebrating each other and saying, hey, okay, you're off the wagon, you're back drinking, you're back doing, that's fine. You had like 20 days of sobriety. Yeah. How did you celebrate those 20 days of sobriety? And people are like, what are you talking about? I'm a, I'm an addict. No, no. I know. But what was that 20 days like? Oh, I had clarity. I had vision. I was hopeful. Let's celebrate that. Let's bring you back yeah. into that space, right? Instead of saying, oh, you got to be punished. Right. It's that this and this implicit biases that we have about communities, right, that that live a certain way, uh, that live in certain zip codes. Right. And those biases have continuously informed how we show up. Right. In the in the in the in the wake of this pandemic, we're realizing that a lot of medical um, practices have been informed by by biases that have left so many people of color, black and brown communities behind, and they are dying, right, as a result of this pandemic. So the power of implicit biases has to be brought forth. We don't recognize the biases that we are carrying and the dissonance those biases have with our values, 
right? Unless we bring it back to our values, right? Those dissonance will continuously affect you and your own growth and my wellness and the community's wellness is affected. So that's part of this work. It's about bringing all that back. And so when I um, you know, hear all that and you know, knowing your background, um, I've been reflecting as you've been talking, maybe I'm a man that can multitask, but I listen, yeah. you know, my, my brain is taking me off in different directions. I'm thinking this is a podcast that people are going to share with their friends that have got yeah. struggles, be it yeah. addiction, you know, or, or um, someone's disclosing that having suicidal thoughts. I mean, yeah. for, for you, Raj, what are some of the things that you would want to share with someone? You know, if I'm going to share this with a friend and they're going to yeah. watch this interview back um, and seeing where you were, and now understanding that, you know, you are a professor of criminal justice and, you know, you are, you know, nationally known for a lot of your work on, on bias, um, you know, and you've really dragged your life back in an upward trajectory. What would you, what would you want to share? I want to share this intimacy, right? This type of conversations, you know, have, be intentional about finding friends, sitting in circles, right? talking to people, understanding that, we are all part of a struggle versus we are going to be stranded in suffering, right? Uh, we are part of a struggle. We are part of a larger narrative of what is happening in our communities. And if we recognize that systems are bound to walking and being in lanes, and in order for us to, to affect change, we have to break those lanes up, right? And if we don't break those lanes, we are, we are just going to continue to repeat the same um, mistakes in the same history, right? So for me, I inviting people to say, you know, sit down, talk to other people, be intentional about building relationship, deeper relationship, not the number of friends you have, right? Facebook talks about the number yeah. of friends you have versus how deep is your relationship. And that depth is important, right? I may have limited number of friends, but I have deep friends, right? Relate people who will call me, who will think about me, right? I have text messages. People say, I've been thinking about you, right? That is a different type of a relationship versus like, ah, you come and go, right? So I will say that. I will also say, you know, systems and communities have to begin to have an open culture, a culture that allows for our our deep, uh, sort of difficult issues to be brought forth, right? If I'm dealing with a lot of frustration and anger and fear, and if it shows up in a way where I'm hating you, right? Why am I hating you, right? I mean, this, and people are able to harness this, that fear and that hate and, and rise to power, right? I, I don't want to talk about politics, but that's, Right? That's part a different podcast. Yeah. As part and parcel that launches people into a position of power, right? And they become charismatic leaders and others and they, right. And and I wanna I want our community to recognize that. I want our communities to recognize the pain of of living in a culture that is that has a lot of things that are shaded, that is sort of put away in closets, uh, that is still there right? And to own that. Um, I would say to the people, you know, I say, anchor, be willing to talk about your emotional well-being, right? 
your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, your mental well-being, right? If we don't talk about those chambers, as the Native community would say, right, we will tend to repeat this, right? People are, I'm, I was unwilling to open up my emotional, my mental health well-being. You put me in a physical well-being, I'll go, right? Work out. You put me in a, in a spiritual well-being, I can talk about it, but I never really experienced it. So those are some of the things that I would say, you know, open those four sort of um, quarters of your life, right? Because those four sort of um, um, aspects make up our humanity. Let's rise to that. Yeah, and Dr. Rajaman, it's been a, um, an honor and a privilege to, to talk to you today. And also I thank you for your openness and transparency um, in, in sharing your journey. You know, I really believe that we learn through experiences of others. Yeah. And I think just other people listening to this podcast, um, like I said, the reason I wanted you to really summarize some of that is that I know someone's going to listen to this podcast and saying, I've got a friend that needs to hear this. I've got someone in my family that needs mm. to hear it. So mm. I think it's um it's great insight that you've that you've shared. So thank you for joining me. Oh, Simon, I appreciate it. And I also want to just say to the viewers, right, if there's anybody viewing, uh, well, if, is, if there's anyone viewing, I've got to pick up on that here, Rogers. <laughs> I'm a former investigator. I'm trained to interview. If if there's anyone listening, listening, yeah. no, I'm I'm I will say, you know, don't make this about the person you are hearing, make this about you and your community and your environment and look at, look for opportunities to grow and thrive, right, within that space. Yeah, so thank, thank you. you. No, and if there is anyone um, <laughs> watching or listening, as, as Raj said, you know, we have touched some very deep um, yes. subjects here, but I would really encourage you, if anything that Raj has said during this conversation has resonated with you, you know, share it with someone who yes. might be going through a similar mindset or be in a similar place to what Raj was. So, um, mm -hmm. Raj, thank you and look forward thank to talking to you soon. Next time, Appreciate let's take it more lighthearted. Sure, we will. We thank will. you for joining well, me. Take thank care. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast. To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you, so leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.